This weekend, next weekend, we're going to be bringing our series through the book of 1 John to a close. I have a question for you that ties in to what John wants us to leave with this morning. What's one of the hardest things you've had to overcome? Maybe for some it was a crippling fear or just a series of doubts. Perhaps it was a burden of worry or anxiety. Maybe you had to overcome an illness or sickness or disease. Perhaps it was an addiction or an abusive home. Maybe a divorce. For others, maybe it was bullying at school. Or maybe it was studying for the bar exam or preseason training for a sport where you were just beating your body down physically and mentally or, or training for a half marathon. This life has no shortage of hardships and struggles. And it's the same with our walk with Jesus. A few weeks ago, on our family vacation, we went down to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. And one of the things we did there as a family was go whitewater rafting. And I couldn't help thinking as we were in that raft and the whole experience going down the river, how much that is like the Christian life. When you get into a raft and you've got some big rapids coming up, you don't just sit in the, throw yourself back and, and lay your paddle down in the bottom of the boat and just enjoy the ride. That's a very good way to fall out and maybe get hurt. But actually, the bigger the rapid, the more important it is to dig your paddle down as hard and deep as you can and pull forward. That's what keeps your bottom in the raft. And I think our Christian walk is a lot like that. It's not just kicking back, putting the oar in the bottom and going for the ride. But the bigger the hardships, the bigger the challenges that we know are ahead, the more we have to dig down and reach with our faith in Jesus Christ because that's the one thing that is going to pull us through. And our, gospel, in our first uh, letter of John this morning, John has a synonym for that. A synonym that he's going to repeat four times. A synonym for our faith in Jesus Christ. And here it is. Victory. To John, faith is synonymous with victory. Both the noun form of victory and the verb form of victory are nikao 
or Nikos, where we get our English word Nike from. Our faith in Jesus Christ is nothing less than a total victory. Whatever challenge we face. He's already reminded us, I want to go back to chapter 2, of something your faith in Jesus Christ has already overcome, had victory, nikao, over. He said, I have written you because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have victoried, you have overcome the evil one. He can tempt you, he can hunt you, he can put pressure on you, but he cannot defeat you because you and your faith have already overcome the evil one. And building on that victory, the victory of our faith, he wants to add on to that now in chapter 5. Let's take a look. John says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the ones who have been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love the Father and are doing His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God, here we go, literally is victoring Nikos over the world. And this is the victory that has victoried the world. Our faith. Who is the one who is victoring over the world except the one who is believing that Jesus is the Son of God? When the Bible wants to emphasize something underline it, bolden it, italicize it, the Bible does what? It repeats it four times in four verses. John wants you to have the certainty that not only is victory here used in the past tense, it's already an accomplished feat in Jesus Christ. But the word victory here he also uses in the present tense meaning it continues to be an ongoing victory in your life each and every day. What is it that has also given you victory over the world, past and present? It's your faith in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God. So when John says, hey, my children, you have victory over the world, what does John mean when he's using that word? Again, I want to take you back to chapter 2, where he gives three characteristics of this world. 
he tells us the world is all about the desires of our sinful flesh. And he tells us that the world is filled with the desires of the eyes. Look what you could have, coveting. And this world is all about having pride in one's material possessions. Look what we have. In other words, he's saying the world with its attitude and values and morals are everything that are opposed to God and his word. But by your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you have already and continue to overcome the world. Yes, it will continue to challenge you. Yes, the world will throw a number of hostilities at the children of God. Yes, this world will offer you a smorgasbord of temptations. But it cannot defeat you because you already have victory in Jesus Christ. As you think about this victory, this Nike, that your faith already has, where do you see his victory? At work in your life right now. Where do you see that victory at work? And when's the last time you truly stop to just give God all the glory and praise for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ? As John brings this section of chapter 5 to a close, He's not done yet telling us how incredible our faith in Jesus is. Look at his next words. And remember, if the Bible wants to emphasize something, it repeats it. He says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater for this is the testimony that God has testified about his own son. The one who believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe has made God to be a liar. For he has not believed in the testimony which God has testified about his son. Seven times. <laughs> Testifying. The majority, over two-thirds of all the uses in the New Testament of that word testified are used by the author, John. Not all of them, but the vast majority of those times when John says testify or witness, guess who the object of that testimony is? The vast majority is Jesus Christ and his person and his work. He's saying, friends, if we believe the testimony of other people, if your spouse comes to you and says, I'm not feeling well, don't you believe their testimony? 
If your teacher says, class, this coming Friday, we have a test. Do you believe the testimony of that teacher? If a friend at work messages you and says, man, I just got that promotion. Don't you believe their testimony? If we so readily believe the testimony of friends and family and other people, how much more, John is saying, should we believe the testimony of God? Because his testimony is far greater than any person. And the testimony of God himself, the testimony of scriptures, the testimony of our text today is that Jesus is the Son of God. Those who believe that, those who do not believe that, essentially call God a liar. And say, I'm not going to believe it, God. No. And both the believers and the unbelievers of his testimony have two completely different outcomes. He concludes this section. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son the one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son does not have life. Our faith in Jesus Christ not only has victory over the evil one, not only has victory over the world, but our faith in Jesus receives the most precious gift imaginable, eternal life in his Son. And every time eternal life is used in the Scripture, it has two inseparable elements. One, it has a qualitative element, meaning eternal life includes full resurrection life and a brand new creation in the presence of God. But at the same time, eternal life also has a quantitative element. It's eternal. It will never end. He's saying the eternal life that we have in the Son is not some far-off, distant reality for us, but it is our present possession right here today. And that changes everything. I want to go back to our trip to Gatlinburg is about a 10-hour drive with the stops. But one of the things as we knew we were getting closer because the mileage and the hours were passing, not only did the scenery change, but we began to see more signs like this. And to those who have been in the car for so many hours, when you see those signs, 
What a comfort and assurance that is, that one, we're on the right road, and two, we are almost there. How much more? The certainty and assurance that John leaves us with here. We know who we are. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. And we know precisely where we are going. And that is eternal life in the presence of our God. No matter what this world will continue to throw at us, challenges, hardships, persecutions, we will overcome because God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.